Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, November 25th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, I will be joined by my co-host, John DeShazer, senior reporter for NewOrleansSaints.com, as we are joined by a very special guest, high school football coach for Taysom Hill, Gino Mariani out of Pocatello, Idaho. So we talked to him a little bit about Taysom Hill, not only in the high school years, but in fourth and fifth grade when Taysom was just starting out in football and his progression, his growth, who Taysom Hill is and has always been. So great conversation conversation with Gino Mariani. We also get you set for fantasy football with Daniel Salerson and Ben Heisler on today's New Orleans Saints podcast, so you don't want to miss it. But first things first, we welcome on Gino Mariani, high school football coach for Taysom Hill. Coach, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course, happy to have you. First of all, Coach, I need to know, how many state titles do you guys have with the Highland High How many do you have, and then how many does Highland High School have? Because I was looking it up, and it seems like you have a few. Am I incorrect? Yeah, I, since I've been here, we've won four. Uh, school-wide, uh, historically, we've won 12. My goodness. I, I mean, are you beaming with pride? You seem like so nonchalant about it. I mean, four state titles is, is something to talk about. Yeah, no, it's it's been a ride. It's uh, you know we we're proud of what we do here, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a neat accomplishment. And, uh, you know, we've we've been in the playoffs the twenty years that I've been the coach here, and uh, so you know we take a lot of pride in that. So Gino says, when you win that much, you don't need to flex. All the the numbers tell the story. You don't need to you don't need to flex a lot. But, but Gino, we we got to cut to the quick. Okay, did you know this from Taysom Hill? I mean. Now, we, we thought he might be able to play. I think everybody thought he might be able to play. Obviously, he's in the NFL. But did you know this? Because you probably saw it before anybody. I, I did. I, you know, I, yeah, I've been doing this for 31 years. And uh, when he stepped into our, our school, and I, I had him, I had him uh, in our youth camps, and, and he was probably a year ahead of everybody athletically. Uh, but when he when he stepped in that senior year and did the things that he did on the football field, uh, one I knew he was a time next level guy, but uh, I knew he was going to be a Sunday guy, um, and I knew he could play. Quarterback. You know, the, I think the Saints have done a wonderful job with what they're doing uh, as far as playing a lot of different positions. But I knew he could play. Quarterback. And it was funny listening to some of the people. Uh, this week, uh, prior to his game on Sunday, saying, you know, he's a gadget guy, he's that, and I'm like, uh, he's a little more than that, and he's going to get it wrong, and I, you know, I was pacing around this uh, living room uh, like a nervous father uh, during that game, but uh, I was sure proud of the way he uh, hung in the pocket and did out of the pocket, and and uh, he understood what it, uh, what it was like to be an NFL quarterback. When he when he was the gadget guy, did you kind of look at him and say, okay, he can do those things too? Because, you know, it kind of jumps off the page when a quarterback is running down to cover kickoffs and he's covering punts and he's blocking punts and he's returning kickoffs. Did you say, you know what, he's that kind of guy, he's that kind of athlete? Oh, yeah. Well, we, he was our kickoff guy in high school. He was our punter. He was our uh, place kicker. Uh, he did a lot of things for us. Uh, if we needed him on defense, we'd throw him in a linebacker. Uh, it was a fourth and four, and we knew we needed to get a stop. Uh, we'd throw him in at free safety. If we knew that, hey, they're going to go deep. We need somebody to go, 
you know, protect deep. Uh, so he played a lot of different positions for us. When he was a sophomore, he was our uh, receiver. Uh, you know, we played him a receiver and, uh, and quarterback at that uh, time. We had a senior quarterback. So, um, yeah, he, he played a lot of different positions for us. And, and I, I knew he had that ability. Uh, and, you know, you look at him, he's a specimen. You know, he, he was the strongest guy when he was here. And, uh, you know, not much has changed uh, in that aspect. Coach, in an interview you did on um, on Taysom Hill for our NewOrleansSaints.com with our hometown hero, uh, you talked about him going to youth football camp with you, like you said, him being at wide receiver, which you weren't far off because now Taysom, you know, like you said, is a positionless player. He's in every room in the facility. But what went into that decision to put him at wide receiver? I, I know you said there was a player at quarterback, but what went into that decision to put him at wide receiver? Well, he was, he was too good to play – on the JV level at that point as a sophomore. Uh, so we brought him up. We had a bunch of senior receivers, so we kind of worked him into the mix. And by the second or third game, uh, he was just making plays. You know, he, he was our leading catch, uh, touchdown catcher at that point. And we were like, okay, we're going to start him. And, uh, you know, he came in from Mop Up Duty at, at quarterback, and that's kind of where I was introduced to the spread. We and traditionally a West Coast offense, and uh, uh, with him and his running ability and the things that he could do, uh, that's kind of uh, pushed us into the spread. And um, so we've incorporated that into our West Coast uh, based on what he could do. And uh, you know, we just you can't keep a talent like that off the field. And uh, once we got him on the field, he didn't leave. And you know, you, go ahead, JD. Now, you know, he, he was talking last week uh, before he made the start, how emotional it was for him and his wife. Uh, did you get a chance to correspond with him before he made that start? You know, I, I texted him. Uh, I, I wished him well. I said uh, the biggest thing for him, I, I just said, Taysom Hill, you don't have to be Drew Brees. Nobody expects you to be Drew Brees. Uh, just show him what you can do. And, um, you know, he didn't text me back. I'm sure his phone was blown up quite a bit. <laughs> But uh, I try to correspond with him uh, as much as I can. Just tell him he's doing a great job. Uh, you know, I told him after the game, great job of working through the pocket and, you know, throwing on time. And, you know, in, you know, those, those things I, I think, you know, he reads and, and uh, you know, I hope he takes the heart. But, uh, you know, we're really cheering for him. And um, we want him to be successful. We're very proud here in uh, Pocatello of uh, his accomplishments. Uh, and the fact that he's uh, having that opportunity to start a little bit and, and show what he can do, uh, you know, we're, we're just excited for him. You know, I'd love to see a map, like a heat map almost, of how many people tune into Saints games from across the country. And then I want to zoom in on a pocket of Pocatello, Idaho, because it seems like that community is so close knit and they're just, everyone's rooting for one another. What's it like on maybe a typical game day in Pocatello when the Saints play? Is everyone talking about it? Is it just kind of common, like, oh, you're going to watch Taysom later? Well, it was more this week uh, than probably any other week. Uh, you know, Josh Hill is from the community uh, real close in Blackfoot, which is just 20 minutes uh, north of us. So, you know, we have two guys last name Hill that are both playing and contributing uh, <laughs> to the uh, New Orleans Saints. And so, you know, this, this whole kind of corner southeast Idaho are all Saint fans. But, uh, you know, when, when he found out Friday morning that uh, he was going to make the start this last Sunday, uh, you know, we had newspaper articles coming out and uh, everybody was blowing up my phone and uh, wanting an interview. And uh, so there was a little more 
excitement uh, this last weekend and probably any other weekend, but uh, they do a nice job of, uh, you know, keeping us surprised at uh, stats and what's going on. And, uh, you know, the community is behind uh, both players and, and especially Taysom and Pocatello. And uh, it's kind of an exciting time. I'm going to take you back one more time, coach, because his dad talked about how Taysom went to BYU at the quarterback's camp and he came back and he was a top quarterback at the camp. Were you surprised at all to that news? Were you, was that even phased? Did no, that even phase you? You know, and, and he actually, you know, from there he went down to California and, and, and did one uh, at Stanford and was a co-MVP uh, with a young man who I, I think eventually signed to Tennessee and now is prior to uh, him, uh, you know, signing at Stanford uh, with Jim Harbaugh as a coach at that point. And, you know, Harbaugh even told me he, you know, he, we had, I had a kind of private meeting with him one time and, and he told me, he says, you know what, this kid's better than I ever thought about being in college. And uh, he's got a lot of potential. And, and, and from that meeting and that talk, I knew uh, we really had something special in taste. And, and I knew that I believed it, uh, you know, in our, in our banquet at the end, I, I said, I think he's the best, uh, you know, football uh, quarterback in the country. I'm very biased about that because I get to see it every day. But, uh, you know, now I think everybody in the country uh, uh, has an ability to see that too. You know, Gino, speaking of his BYU days, he, he had an injury each year, um, but you guys knew his character better than anyone. I mean, Obviously, you you saw him working through this, but you see, did you see him working through it so well? And, and did you see, I guess, the frustrations that go along with that? Because obviously, nobody wants to be injured. Yeah, you know, I was I felt so bad for him because he worked so hard to get where he was at BYU uh, and do the things that uh, you know you do in a, in a major college. Um, you know, that was rough. But you know, he uh, he had an injury in high school uh, his senior year. Uh, scope his knee a little bit um uh you know so he kind of missed basketball season he came back it wasn't uh too long after he had his knee scope he was uh he was running track and he was a one foot long jumper uh almost 22 foot long jumper wow. 225 pounds and i said well he's he's doing okay he's back and so he, knows through, he knows how to get through injuries uh he knows how to fight through those things uh you know, he's, he's a competitor and you're, you know, he, he grew up in a very competitive family. And yeah, that's one thing that you knew what you're going to get out of him every time you stuck him on the field. You know, I, I wait, I got to go back to this taste the basketball player. I know, me too. This, this sounds like a dude who's just moving people around, kind of getting where he wants to go. I mean, what kind of basketball player was he? Physical. Uh, <laughs> and when any of you wanted to go to the hole, you, you got out of his way. I, I watched him do, uh, he got in a fast break one time against our crosstown route and there was two guys uh, running right next to him as he was dribbling down the court and he went up and dunked over both of them, you know, and hung on the rim. And it was one of the incredible dunks I've ever seen. And, and I was like, yep, that's, that's Taysom. You know, he's just uh, very competitive and uh, he was fun to watch on the basketball court too. That's incredible. Well, on Sunday, when you watch Taysom have so much success, and obviously, you know, you talked about roaming around your house like a nervous dad. Um, what kind of feeling did you have when you when the game was over and you saw him just do incredibly well? Yeah, you know, I, just that air of confidence that that he has. You know, he's 
reps on the field. And uh, he, I think, truly believes that he's one of the best athletes on that field. Now, it's a little bit different in the NFL, but I, I knew in high school he knew that. I think in college uh, he was very uh, mindful of that. And he knows what he can do. Um, you know, physically he's just very, very gifted. You know, and um, when when, uh, when I saw him after the game, I was uh, he just he, uh, he was he was beaming me with with excitement. You know, uh, that first start to get it out of the way. But you know, you looking back at a lot of the uh, injuries and things that he went. Through, now he gets that opportunity and he did well. And uh, I, I think that's that was total excitement for him too. Gino, I've got to correct you. He, he is still one of the best guys on the field, and you can see it, <laughs> see it immediately. <laughs> that's why that's why they haven't played so many different positions. But but when you foresee him getting another opportunity to start and get into a rhythm, is he one of those guys that you feel like is going to continue to ascend the more snaps he gets at quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. I you know. I, and again, I. When I was watching that first half, I was like, okay, you guys can give him a little bit more. You, you can open the playbook a little bit. Uh, you know, and I, I thought early on it was very conservative, which I, I get. You know, you got the guy first start. Uh, but uh, in the second half, I thought it opened it up a little bit better. And I think the more that he shows that he can throw out of the pocket, uh, he's willing to stay in the pocket and make those reads and uh, go through his progressions and find his second and third receiver, um, I think the more that, uh, you know, the Saints will open up the playbook and, and get him more comfortable. And uh, I, I think he's going to find comfort in that, too. And, and like I said, he's got that ability to, to stretch plays out and uh, uh, make it from outside the pocket. And if nothing's there, you look out because uh, he's going to go make something happen with his feet. Coach, I, I, with your record of, of high school performance and having so many athletes come through your program, I'm sure it's rewarding for you to see them go on and, you know, develop families and, and grow their own life. How rewarding has it been this year to see Taysom start a family of his own? Oh, awesome. That was, uh, that was so neat uh, um, to, to see him have a little baby and, and uh, you know, start his own family. And he's going to be an awesome father. Uh, you know, his, his family, they're, they're so tight. Uh, you know, they all communicate with one another. And, and uh, so that's pretty special. And, and, you know, I just, uh, you know, as, as a coach, you want to see all your players go on and be great fathers and, uh, and great husbands. And, and uh, I, I, what can you say? I, I think he's done all of that. I would have to agree. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. We'll let you go. I'm sure you're busy, um, but we appreciate your time. And thanks for giving us a little insight on Taysom Hill. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Coach. Go win another one. Okay, let's get you set. Here's Daniel Salerson sitting down with Sports Illustrated's Ben Heisler. All right, thanks, Caroline. It's time to talk fantasy football here on the Saints podcast presented by Seeky. Joining us every Wednesday, as always, has been Heisler from Sports Illustrated and SI.com as he covers fantasy and gambling for the platform. Ben. How are you? I guess happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and to yours, Daniel. It's always good to be here. And uh, coming off uh, a pretty eye-opening performance down in New Orleans, it was exciting to watch. And uh, certainly from a fantasy perspective, uh, there's a lot uh, of questions that I think were answered on Sunday. I'm certainly glad you are you know how to segue into a topic here. And we'll go into <laughs> Taysom Hill, which I know you're talking about. And look, last week, fantasy owners had the advantage of starting him at tight end. Um, at least according to ESPN, that's not going to be the case for this week. I'm not sure about other other platforms when it comes to, to fantasy football. But even if he's just labeled as a quarterback from now on, I'm assuming 
he's a must start until Drew Brees comes back? Or is there a little bit of a question mark with that? There, there's still a little bit of a question mark. I, I think it's going to be matchup based and it's not really a knock on Taysom Hill. I think you kind of know what he is and he showcased it against Atlanta. Somebody that has the ability to run six to 10 times. He ran 10 times for 51 yards, ended up getting into the end zone twice by means of running the football. So you get the six points instead of the four. Um, and also was very efficient as far as passing the ball, 18 to 23 for 233 yards. Uh, his average of 10.1 yards per pass attempt was substantially higher uh, than that of what we've seen from Drew Brees over the course of this year. So there are some intriguing numbers when it comes to Taysom Hill, but um, I, I think film study from other teams around him was extremely limited. You only knew what he was in sort of some of these gadget plays and, you know, when they would move him around. And I, I think you're going to see teams slowly start to adjust the longer he continues to be in there. So uh, I'm not ruling him out as somebody that is a quarterback option when it comes to your fantasy league. Uh, certainly if you're in a league that still allows for him to be a tight end option, by all means, you lock him in and you don't think twice about it. But um it's going to be matchup oriented because there's going to be moments where he struggles in the passing game. He missed some early throws uh, in the beginning of the game, eventually got himself into a rhythm. And then when he started to take off and run, that was where his fantasy value ultimately, ultimately would end up lying. So I, I do think there's an exciting future here. Uh, it's just a matter of looking at the right matchups for Taysom Hill and knowing, all right, if other teams are going to adjust, how to will the New Orleans Saints? Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he does against the Denver Broncos, who played the Miami Dolphins pretty well last week and led to Tua being benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it will be an interesting matchup in the Mile High City next week. Um, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, watching Red Zone on Sunday, you know, um, I had the Cleveland Browns defense in one of my leagues, so that was a nice pickup. But it just seems like the more and more you look at the Eagles offense, it's hard to trust too many guys. I know Miles Sanders, the prime running back, wouldn't staying healthy, but how if you do have a guy like Carson Wentz, even Travis Fulgham um, at the wide receiver position, um, how are how are you trying to figure out these guys? What are what are some of the strategies? Are you are you still playing them? Are you still giving them more chances, or are you starting to think, well, maybe I should start benching some of these? players it's a great question especially heading into this week because now the eagles have a prime matchup i believe it's on monday night football against the seattle seahawks who ranked dead last in allowing points to wide receivers on the season uh one of the worst teams at allowing points to the quarterback spot they're having all sorts of issues on the defensive side of the ball and they, they played better uh, against Kyler Murray on Thursday night, and we'll have a few extra days. Uh, and Philadelphia kind of feels like the moment that you decide to go ahead and rule them out, they find a way to sneak back in. I, I think about that Sunday night game on the road at San Francisco this year where they, they pulled off a pretty unexpected victory. If not now, then when? I do think they're going to have to play catch up through the air against Seattle. So I, I think Carson Wentz is sort of that, uh, he's a quarterback too, uh, that I think has startable options if you need the upside. Somebody like Jalen Rager, I think, is in a good spot. Maybe Fulgham if you need a flex. Miles Sanders is still going to be a, a must-start for me because he's so outstanding uh, as far as yards after catch. They can use him in a wide variety of ways. But um, you know, I, I heard an interesting discussion about Carson Wentz on the radio this week. Basically, how you know it's kind of like an iPhone that or, or an Android phone or whatever it might be uh, that just is very is very glitchy. You know what it's capable of, but you just need to go back to the factory reset and just try to start from scratch with him. Like I don't know what his future is going to be like in Philadelphia. Obviously, they have him you know locked up, but um, 
if he continues to turn the ball over at an alarming rate, I just don't know how you trust him moving forward. He still threw for two touchdowns last week, is still able to run the ball. So I would still consider starting him next week against Seattle. But uh, after that, it's against Green Bay and New Orleans, and it certainly gets a little bit more tough after that. Maybe with a, with a glitchy phone, you throw him in the big bag of rice and see if that helps too. I know I've seen <laughs> Maybe that might be the best option. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, of course, Joe Burrow with a devastating injury this week. Um, basically going to be out for an entire calendar year. Um, speaking of looking at quarterbacks, if, if you are looking for one, uh, who should folks keep an eye on as far as the waiver wire when it comes to the QB spot? Yeah, there, there's a couple. Obviously, Taysom Hill is still a, a possibility. I think he was owning about maybe 70% of ESPN leagues, but that was likely due to the fact that he had the quarterback and the tight end capabilities as well. Um, I, I do think Kirk Cousins could be back in play. Um you know, yes, they, Minnesota ended up losing that game to Dallas, but still is getting back to that efficiency level uh, where he was last year that helped Minnesota get to the playoffs. So he's got two electric wide receiver weapons and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Although keep your eye on Thielen because he is on the current COVID-19 protocol list. And without Adam Thielen, I think that would be a, a pretty devastating loss. But uh, he's got good matchups going up against Carolina and Jacksonville over the next two weeks. Uh, Minnesota, as doubtful as it would be that, they're in, that they make the playoffs, are still in playoff contention. So I think Kirk Cousins is probably one of those guys that uh, you could consider. And I know this kind of feels like um, the Carson Wentz effect, but Daniel Jones could be in play as well. He's available in 75% of leagues, did not have a turnover the last time he played. Uh, he also ran for over 60 yards and a touchdown last time out. So I think by Daniel Jones going back to what helped make him sort of a borderline quarterback, one quarterback, two last year from the fantasy level was his ability to escape pressure and run. And so if he's able to do that down the stretch of the season, the Giants have a fairly straightforward schedule. There's some possibility that they could still win that division, even though it's as crummy as it is. So both Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones are actually viable fantasy starters on a week by week basis. Crazy to think when you said the Giants still have a shot at winning the division. It it's just amazing. Shook my head, but at the same time, you're absolutely right because that division is wide open. And who would have thought Cowboys and Redskins on Thanksgiving Day is going to be potentially for the NFC East? So we'll see how that goes on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, before I let you go, we always want to go to the waiver wire because that's where everyone is living on for the next few days. So um, who should fans uh, look out for when it comes to the waiver wire, no matter what position it is? Yeah, I, I still, even though he got placed on the COVID-19 list and will not play on Thursday against the Steelers, J.K. Dobbins uh, is the guy moving forward. It feels like you know him and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list. Gus Edwards will be the guy this week, and, and I don't know what he's going to be able to do against Pittsburgh's start, stout defense. Uh, if he goes in as a breakthrough game, then I suppose maybe Dobbins gets Wally pipped a little bit, but uh, Dobbins is the main guy moving forward. I also like James White considering Rex Burkhead's injury. I think that puts him back in play. Wayne Gallman of the New York Giants uh, got into the end zone the last couple times as well. And then at the wide receiver spot, uh, this is somebody that a lot of people liked as sort of a sleeper at the beginning of the season. Uh, didn't do much, got hurt, but uh, has really starting to turn into a nice red zone option for Phillip Rivers, and that's Michael Pittman. Um, a rookie out of, out of UFC, big physical target in the red zone. Um, you know They're looking to him more and more. Also, for some reason, Cole Beasley of Buffalo is available in almost 50% of leagues, and he's He's a really good PPR receiver right now in the middle of the field for the Bills. He's been targeted the second most amount of times on the team behind only Stefan Diggs. Uh, I'm not quite sure why he's still available and as available as he is, but if you have an opportunity and are in need of a, of a solid PPR wide receiver, go ahead and pick up Cole Beasley down the stretch. All right, good stuff there from Ben Heisler. 
host, analyst, and editor for SI Gambling and SI Fantasy. You can follow him on Twitter at Benny Heis, B-E-N-N-Y-H-E-I-S. Always a strong follow. They can help you with your fantasy football moving forward. Ben, I appreciate the time. Again, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, Daniel. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, man. Thank you, Caroline. Back to you. Okay, Saints fans, before we let you go, I want to wish you all a happy, happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're all being smart this holiday season, wearing masks, socially distancing, doing everything that the CDC recommends that you do so that we can get out of this as quickly as possible and see each other again inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. There is so much to be grateful for this Thanksgiving. Taysom Hill, the Saints being 8-2, and two, so many things to be grateful for, Saints fans. Uh, so from all of us here at the New Orleans Saints and from me, Caroline Gonzalez, want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. We'll have a special guest on Friday. Not going to let you know who it is, but we'll preview Saints versus Broncos on Friday to get you set for Sunday's matchup. Thanks so much for listening. Talk again on Friday.